Let us pray. Your word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Open our eyes that we may see and stop our ears that we might hear. Cast wide the portals of our being that we may feel and apprehend your word of truth, your vision for our lives and for your beloved creation. In Christ we pray, amen. The first reading from scripture this morning is from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. It says 14 in your bulletin, that's my mistake. I gave the information to Sherry incorrectly. It's uh, chapter 15. We're actually going to look at the last two verses of the chapter, 26 and 27. You may recall that several weeks ago in looking at the 15th chapter of John, we focused on that portion which he tells his vision of how we are united with one another, that uh, Christ is the vine and we are the branches, and then and we are joined to that vine, our lives become fruitful as we work uh, for justice and its fruit, which is peace. That's the sweetness of the fruit of the vine. Uh, that we so long for and share in the body of Christ. Now, in the Gospel of John, in this last uh, section, really an extended soliloquy, as it were, uh, by Jesus, um, he's sharing his innermost thoughts, and he has some ideas which it's easy for us to skip over and not appreciate fully the depth of their meaning or the power, the impact, uh, his understanding about our role as his followers in the unfolding purposes of God in the world. Of the four Gospels, uh, John is the one that has perhaps uh, the most highly elevated uh, theology of Jesus, the Christology in the technical theological term. It's the last of the four Gospels to rewritten and so we would expect that it would have a more fully developed understanding about the nature and identity of Christ. But that fuller description of the identity and nature of Christ is paired with his understanding about the essential nature of our continuing his ministry following his separation, his departure. As I've said before in the Gospel of John, it's almost as though Jesus had to get out of the way so that the di disciples could become who God fully intended them to be. As long as he remained with them, they would be dependent upon him. But he had prepared them. He had given them the wings. He'd given them the roots, right? And now the wings to fly. And he says that in these last verses of chapter 15. Now when the advocate comes... This is an interesting word in the Greek. It's paraclete. It doesn't really have a direct translation into English. Sometimes it's translated as the counselor, an advocate, someone who's on our side, a being who advises us for the best of our um, identity. Um, when the advocate, the paraclete, the counselor comes, there's a promise that something is coming after Jesus. When the advocate, the paraclete comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is to say, the Spirit of truth, 
Spirit in Greek is pneuma. It is a feminine noun. The pneuma, like in the book of Genesis and the story of creation, the wind of God blew over the face of the deep and God fashioned a human being from mud and breathed life into the human being. That is to say, you and I, life is that precious gift. The pneuma of truth will be given to us who comes from the Father. Now what's interesting here is in most of the English translations, the next word you encounter is the male pronoun he. But that's not present in the Greek. In the Greek, it's the, it is that one. Now that one refers back to the pneuma, who is feminine. So it would be better to say, the spirit comes from the father and she will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So God will give them this power to carry on his ministry. And in other places in this last, these last few chapters of John, he says, you, the disciples, his closest friends, his most devoted followers, you will do greater things than I have done, he says. Remarkable. You will do greater things than I have done. Jesus' principal job is not to accomplish everything. It is to open the door to welcome in the entire world into the covenant with God and to open the door before you and me, before all the members of the body of Christ, to walk through that door and to be Christ in the world. It is the empowerment of all of us. Not as meek and mild and malleable followers, but as strong and valiant followers who embrace their identity and take up their power and their ability and use them for a cause that is greater than their own. This pneuma, this which in Luke's telling of the encounter takes place on Pentecost, which we celebrate this day. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples were gathered for prayer in the upper room. We seem, we seem to think it's probably the same room in which they had shared the Last Supper. And while they were praying, it says, in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, verses 1 through 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together. No, we're not all together in one place, but we are all together in the Spirit of God. We are all together in our unity in Christ. They were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and a tongue of fire rested upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit the holy pneuma, the feminine presence of God, and began to speak in other languages as the pneuma, as she gave them 
ability. Does this remind you of the baptism of Jesus? He comes up out of the water where John has baptized him and the heavens are opened and a dove descends. The spirit, the pneuma of God descends like a dove and says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And here, as they are praying, the heavens are opened and a mighty wind and tongues of fire, red, fall upon them and they are empowered to see things differently than they saw them before because they are empowered to speak in other languages. This is not just what's sometimes called the birthday of the church. I don't particularly like that term. It's sort of a silly phrase. But it's the beginning of the identity of the power of the disciples to really embrace the fact that they are the continuing presence of Christ in the world. And just as Jesus had the ability to seep the world through the lens of other people and through the lens of God to see the world the way God sees the world, to see the world in the way in which people from other cultures see the world. Because if you speak another person's language, you have to know their cultural context. You aren't fluid until you're thinking in the other language and speaking in the other language. You aren't fluent, not fluid, fluent. You aren't fluent until you're thinking in the way that people who speak that language think. It's, a, it, it's the advantage, the empowerment, the gift, the privilege to see the world in the way in which God sees it as other people. This is the universal opening of the love of God to the entire world, the cosmos, just not to us, the people, but to all of creation. This is the empowerment of us all. This really is the taproot of our tradition. We call ourselves congregational. What that means is that every member of the congregation is as much a minister of the gospel as those who are ordained or the deacons or the trustees or whoever they might be. Each member baptized into Christ is equally endowed with the gifts and the power to be disciples, to bear and be Christ to the world. The priesthood, to use Luther's phrase, the priesthood of all believers, the empowerment of us all. So in that sense, I guess it is the birthday of the church. It's the, it's the day in which we can come to terms with our identity, our responsibility, our ability to be Christ to the world, to see the world in the way that God sees us, to see the world as it really is, and then perceiving it as it is, and understanding more fully how God desires it to be, in understanding the gap between those two, as it is and as it ought to be, to fill that gap so that as it is comes to more nearly reflect God's vision of how our life should be. That's why we are empowered to redeem the world, tikkun olam in the Hebrew, to repair the world as the disciples of Jesus, empowered as we are, each 
and every one of us, members of the body of Christ, disciples of Jesus. Amen.